Hey everybody, welcome to Bagnavorecast, episode number 311. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out August 17th, 2016. Let me follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week it's time for our monthly trading policy, and this time it's my pick. So I'm going back into the long box and I'm pulling out Disney Kingdom's Figment Volume 1. Um, this book came out a while ago. We actually read issue number one for uh, Trading Policy. I don't even remember what, what episode it was before we were doing the show notes, so I can't search it out. But yeah, we'll be talking about the whole volume, not just the first issue this time. Wait a second. So we're not doing the Justice League cartoon episode? No. That's next week. That's next week. Next week. Next okay. Week. Uh, I think this is something we've always talked about doing, but I think this is the first time we've actually read a first issue for the uh, trade and or for, for the look back. Look back and now doing a trade on it. Mm-hmm. It's something Excellent. we've talked about doing countless times, but this is the first time we've actually done it. Yeah, because there's some issues that we're like, ah, maybe we'd look at it and trade. Yeah, I think a lot of times like it's just stuff that we read and trade and we just never actually review it or just stuff that we drop off of or we just read monthly mm-hmm. or most of our trading policies are fans tell us hey this is great and we're like is it and then we read it and then we're like yeah it's now our favorite book ever Hawkeye okay. yep <laughs> Thor <laughs> Thor uh, something else Rat Queens Rat Queens uh, but you know what else uh, we like to get recommendations on and drink? Beer. Uh, and this is a brewery that I always shy away from just because I hate the labeling, design, the graphic <clears throat> design, the just the aesthetic, the look of this brewery. And that's Flying Dog. And if you've ever seen a Flying Dog label, you've seen them all. They're kind of that... Yeah. Uh, it's all like really scratchy. Yeah, and it looks like they just threw paint or, or ink at it and just just bled through everything. Um, but this beer was pretty good. I, I enjoyed the Bloodline. says it right there I on top. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, blood Orange Ale. Uh, and this is their ale brewed with Blood Orange Puree and natural flavors. Uh, this one, I had a nice little pop of the uh, citrus, and then that IPA kind of, and it was a riny, it was a citrus rind kind of aftertaste on it. Uh, unfortunately, I drank this about a half hour ago because I realized we weren't doing the Justice League cartoon episode where you we were doing the trade and policy. Find every way he can actually talk about <laughs> Justice League in this episode. Yeah. Uh, 7% beer, uh, drinks pretty smooth. Um, I didn't get a lot of the orange pop to it. I thought it was kind of weak. Didn't get a lot of flavor. Um, but it, uh, I don't know. It's not. It's nothing that would make me pick up any other Flying Dog beer. Mm-hmm. It, it it made me be like, okay, maybe I should give them a second chance. But then I looked at the. Then you handed me the bottle, and I looked at the label again, <clears> and I'm like, I just, I just don't like it. I, don't, I don't want like to go it. home with this. I feel like it's gonna. I'm gonna wake up and it's gonna murder me in my sleep, <laughs> which is weird because I woke up. It's gonna roofie itself. <laughs> no, I, I just like how it. I would wake up and then it would murder me in my sleep, because uh, it, it's uh, Ralph uh, Steedman who does the art, who is uh, known for being the illustrator for Hunter S. Thompson. 
So that's why they got him, and he does all their labeling and everything, because they were big Hunter Thompson fans. I see. I see. Uh, Putting that out there as you're taking giant shit on the artist. (laughs) The closest uh, comic book artist I could put it to is the guy that did uh, issue 80, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah, Bill Sienkiewicz. That's exactly what I was thinking when you said it. Yeah, like his kind of, that kind of art, but more, uh, more globby. Bill Sienkiewicz got that really sketchy. Like, whenever somebody says, oh, really sketchy, a lot of line work, I think Bill Sienkiewicz, but this has, like, lots of ink blots to it, too. A lot of ink, it's like, uh, thrown at it, though. Like, like they took a brush and just, like, you know, uh, took their finger and, like, worked the bristles. Yeah. But it was a mediocre beer. Chris, what are you drinking? Um, like I said off show before we actually started recording, I couldn't find any of the beers that you guys were actually drinking, so I tried to find the closest things that I could to it. So I am actually entitling all of my beers, whatever you can do, I can do better. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so for that, I've actually picked up from Green Flash Brewing, Ooh. the Tangerine Soul Style IPA. Uh, surprise, it's an IPA brewed with tangerine. Uh, I, I like this. This is a solid porch drinking beer. It stands out a little bit more than the uh, Southern Tier Tangier mm. or like the 2X Tangier. Uh, it's got a nice like orange zest on the nose. Um, a good, not overly bitterness to the hop on the back, but then you get that orange rind uh, from the tangerine. I, I like this a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I think gave... it would be better if it was a little bit more chilled. I'm drinking it at room temperature because it's been sitting uh, next to me, but I haven't had anything from Green Flash in a while, so that's kind of what led me to this route mm-hmm. than something else. Because all the other blood orange or orange beers I saw, there was stuff that I've had before, and I didn't feel like actually drinking again. Uh, you and I both gave this the same rating, like three and uh, three quarter stars. Because oh. uh, yeah, it's a it's really good. You get the right amount of kind of that citrus to it, a little bit of riny, but yeah, and I had mine like on tap and it was cold and it just was super refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green Flash like is- every, everything that I bought today, I did a craft your own six pack style and I got two of each cause it's all stuff that I feel like I would probably enjoy having another one. So <clears throat> I, I'm going to, I'm going to put them in the fridge. I feel like Green Flash is like, the complete antithesis to Flying Dog because their labels are so boring. Yeah, it's just straight up. It's like a, it's like a black label. Uh-huh. Or sometimes it has like a little bit of a, like a, it's black with then like a purple square. This is like what it is. What it is just in white lettering. I'm like, yeah. that's the kind of graphic design I could do. They're a good brewery. They're a little pricey. Um, they're hard to come by out here for us. Mm-hmm. We get like little, very limited stuff from them. But yeah, we started. Honestly, like I saw more of their stuff on tap in Buffalo than I ever actually saw it bottled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. usually have it on tap, but it's not something we get in bottle. Well, it's it was always on tap. It seemed at the Pizza Plant. Yeah, uh, like their IPA. I want to say I would get it quite uh, a bit. These bottles were like two forty nine or two ninety nine each. Um, I think it was worth it. Hmm. I stand by this purchase. Yeah, Green Flash is one of those breweries. If I see, I need to start just. Hey, it's there. Let's try it because yeah. they, they they've never disappointed me, but they've I've never remember being wowed either. Yeah, but that's probably because I 
probably only had one of their beers like five different times. Yeah, and you usually go, you probably went, oh, this is really good, and then you had something else, uh-huh. and then you just forgot about yeah, yeah. it because Green Flash is not on your mind. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Unlike the news. The news. It's always on my mind. Guys, did you see that there's a documentary coming out? About the unreleased Fantastic Four movie. Oh, man. <laughs> I did not. There's a documentary. It's called Doomed. Oh, that's the, perfect. The un- I love this documentary already. The untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. It looks almost as good as Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> well, how long has it been since we actually sat down and watched this? Uh, we watched that when Paul was still living at home. My house. Yeah, my parents' house. And I rented it from Mondo Video. Mondo Video. On Elmwood. The one so and only for, movie for I, I ever... Know, um, like, Buffalo's a little bit of a college town, and right down the street from Buffalo State College was kind of like an indie art house uh, movie rental place. It was like out of someone's house front mm-hmm. uh, where you could find a bunch of like weird, bad, like B movies, um, out of print and stuff, stuff that was wasn't actually available for rental. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, yeah, and I believe I rented it on VHS. Like, yeah, yeah it was on VHS. <laughs> yeah, probably. So that's how long ago it was. Yeah, it probably was like two thousand three to two thousand four, something yeah. like that. And uh, yeah, because I wasn't dating. I don't think I was dating Lisa yet. I was twenty one when I started dating Lisa. So, yeah, so we were, ni- I was like 19. Yeah, 1920. Before the beard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I watched, I watched this movie, I watched the movie last year. Uh, How? Cr- Chris, uh, YouTube, <laughs> a whole movie on YouTube. <laughs> I watched it, uh, I had the stomach flu last year for Christmas. Yes. And I, w- it was like three o'clock in the morning and I had this period where I was awake and for some reason, Fantastic Four. I watched it, and uh, Caitlin came down and uh, watched like a little bit of it with me. And then, like after like ten minutes, was like, "Well, I'm going back to bed." <laughs> I like, got up and left because I was sleeping on the couch. What's your? Uh... It's, it's not great, <laughs> but it gave us the doom fist. It gave guys. us the doom fist, and when we used the when we were recording, at one point, Doctor Doom makes his like a. Touches his index fingers together like a laser, and we to show off laser. And we would do that to each other to let each other know when someone had a pee and they'd leave the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) And and also, I think we've talked about this more than we have any other Fantastic Four movie. So I think this is ultimately like the most successful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because the Thing costume is probably just as good as all the other Thing costumes. I thought the Thing costume was pretty good. Um, I, I love John. After we watched this movie, he, you defended the special effects that were used, and then we looked up to see what year it was made, and it was made the same year as Terminator Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was a major studio release. This is a Roger Corman film. You're like, it wasn't that. They no, weren't that the, bad. The fantastic, you know, Mr. Fantastic, his stretchy powers. It wasn't that bad. I'll tell like, you. Think about it. 1992, guys. It wasn't like CGI <clears throat> was all that great. Terminator 2 came out that year. Remember the metal guy? He he turned into metal pan. Yeah. Uh, I would arms. say this though. I would watch the Roger Corman Fantastic Four again versus seeing the new that new Fantastic Four movie again. I will um, not watch. 
Fanforest. Fanforestic? Fanforestic. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. Because um, <laughs> strange turn. Uh, did you guys see that there was an interview done with the screenwriter for Trust Tranks Fantastic yeah. Four that and, just came out? And was it supposed to? Well, it was supposed to be Annihilus was going to be the yeah, villain, was, right? Um, there's supposed to be a whole lot of other stuff with Doom, Doombots, Annihilus in the Negative Zone. Uh, Mole Man was supposed to appear in it. It, it sounded like it was going to be just like a crazy out there okay. Fantastic Four movie, which I, I think it sounds fun. Like I don't know mm-hmm. how well it would have been executed, but well, reading the, the synopsis of what was in there and what was basically like cut out and what it became, I was kind of like, oh, like that. Especially yeah, when you have like probably would have been cool. You have an hour and a half of them just being scientists, like building a thing. Oh, like I'm more interested in this movie now. It takes like forever, and then like the end with Doom like is over in like five minutes. Like it's such a horrible build up. Talk to me about more of the sciencing. Oh, Paul, you'd probably <laughs> really like it. No, but that I mean, like the, to me, like as you're saying that, I'm thinking about like how that would look with today's like computer effects and stuff and i'm like oh man that'd be awesome what i whenever i hear like oh this movie was going to be i'm like okay just imagine any of us any fan of any property sitting down to write a first draft yeah and try not to put like everything you've ever wanted in one of these movies into that movie in your first draft and then like give it to somebody and be like okay um, what do you guys think and you're like guy there's way too much movie in here Let's start taking some of this stuff out and from, start from walking what it back. Sounds like Fox's um, like, concern was it was going to be too expensive and alienate what um, they thought the viewers were going to Fantastic Four to see. Isn't and that horrible though? That a reboot has expectations from the viewers. Like, isn't a reboot supposed to reboot our expectations? And then it was just the worst thing ever. Yeah. I still so, haven't seen it. Oh, honestly. don't even. I watched it just to say that I've watched it, and I said, why can't I have that two hours back? It's on HBO Go. Don't it's one watch of those things, it. like, if it pops up on Netflix, I might add it to my queue, and it's one of those things that I'll watch eventually, some night, just when I scroll through, and I was like, oh, I forgot this was on here. I got a couple this of Lego is, sets to this put is, together. No, it's the movie that you're like, <laughs> you know, like you watch a movie, you're like, eh, I'm like, eh, it's a hangover movie, or it's uh, my sick day movie. This is the movie, it's like, oh, I want to be irate and scream and just sit and be angry. Oh, watch this movie, and then be like, what happened to my two hours of my life? Okay, so uh, do not do a menial please. task wall. Yeah, put put it on and just leave your house. <laughs> because sidebar, oh, I I forget what movie like someone at work was talking about the other day. I was like, oh yeah, that's totally one of my sick day movies. And they're like, you and your sick day movies. I was like, that's that's what I used to like qualify movies for something that I really like, but it wouldn't be. Con- I guess they would be considered my favorites. To be well, your favorites, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. If I'm sick, that movie just like helps me. If I'm in a bad mood. Uh, Hot Fuzz. Because it starts uh, off slow and then it just turns and it's so good. Shaun of the Dead's one of my sick day movies. Um, Hook, Jumanji, and Space Jam. We were actually talking about Space Jam. Uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Mm-hmm. Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. Um, I think those are pretty much my sick days because I'll, I can put it on, enjoy whatever scene it is, fall asleep. Uh-huh. 
wake up, enjoy whatever scene I'm watching, fall asleep, and wake up. And then, like, when the movie's over, be like, oh, I didn't watch all of it. And then just turn it back on <laughs> and sleep. That's, and... that's the perfect uh, description of what a sick day movie is. Oh, really? See, I, I like uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. The commentary, I like putting it on <clears> because <throat> it sounds like people are having fun around me. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, at least, at least they're having a good time. I'm horribly miserable. But I wish I was having a good time with them. You know, it's I, like I want to be a hobbit. <laughs> I would want to be a hobbit. <laughs> Kate's favorite uh, sick day movie right now is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Curse oh, of that's the, a good one. Curse of the Black Pearl. That yeah. one's really. It's, I just watched that. It's, the it's best. on Netflix and it's just there. It's the know? best. It's the best of the pirate movies. Yeah, I I, I have I, not I, seen number three. I really like two. I can't. I watch. I sat through two once, and I'm like, this is. This is too long. Uh, see, I like two because it's more swashbuckly. Like they they got what people liked about number one, and they're like, okay, let's ramp that up a little bit. Go back and revisit two. It's it's fun. Okay, next time because uh, last time I like put on some you know movie after movie it was because I was doing some really meticulous like wire work for the arcade, you know where I had to just sit there and wire everything together. Uh, so next time I need to do something like that, I'll put on Dead Men's Chest. And that's what I was asking with 4. Should I like just put it on because I'm doing something menial? But if it's going to make me angry, I don't want to be like sitting there getting frustrated with what I'm doing plus getting frustrated with the movie. Yeah, you're you're just going to be like... The whole, the whole movie, you're just like, well, why'd they do that? Why'd they do it like that? Oh, why did he do that? That's what I said during Superman v. Batman. Or Batman v Superman. You know, and, and it's just like, it's just, it's puzzling. And then you go like, you had that whole budget and you made this? Like, it just is very upsetting. Um, but any, anyways, other movie news, Paul? Do we have uh, some bracket info for you us? You want a bracket buster update? Yeah. You want me to go to the book and open it up to the bracket, to the bracket page. Bracket paging. All right. Uh, apparently two weeks ago, who knew? Pete's Dragon opened up. Guess who knew? Not the American movie-going audience, because it no, only they, made... They knew. They knew. <laughs> it, only, it made $21.5 million its opening weekend. Uh, probably one of the worst-performing opening weekends we've had that actually opened up during the Bracket Buster, uh, not including G.I. Joe Rebellion or whatever that was that got moved Retaliation. out. Retaliation. Yeah. Stuff like that. But 21.5 is one of the lowest performers we've had. Uh, Suicide Squad opened up uh, last weekend, and that made $133.7 million, making it the top gross, top opening weekend in August. Wow. It beat out uh, Guardians, of, Guardians the of the Galaxy, which opened with uh, $93 million. So, the king is dead, long live the king? <clears throat> the king is dead, long live the king. And uh, I have not seen Suicide Squad yet. I have not either. I'm gonna I, wait I haven't either. I, I want to. Um, I'm still just... I feel about it how I did before, where it's something I want to see. I'm going in with no expectations. I've heard such conflicting things about this um, from people that I trust and then people that I don't trust so much, so I've kind of just aggregated those together to know... I'm pretty sure how I would feel coming out of the movie. Um so I'm not in a big rush to see it. Did you guys see that uh, a guy in England is suing um, the producers of Suicide Squad 
for false advertising, showing so much Joker in the trailers to make him think that there's going to be a lot of Joker in the movie. And See, um, yeah, what, from the trailers, I assumed that all that Joker stuff was basically pulled from like two scenes. Yeah, I always thought it was, it's Harley Quinn flashback stuff. Yeah, because yeah. right from the get go, it seemed like the Joker wasn't the focus of the movie. Like it was going to be like Paul said. Yeah, yeah. Or that he like it shows up at the end to really f up everybody's day. And that's why they fail and now are on the, you know, whatever the setup for Suicide Squad 2 would be. Yeah. I was just saying, like, I just, there was an article the guy was suing and he was calling it, like, because some woman sued, like, McDonald's or something for um, showing ingredients in a commercial for, like, a a new sandwich. But when she got the sandwich, it didn't have those ingredients on it. So she sued for, like, false advertising. Mm -hmm. Did she win? Yes, she did. Oh, okay. Uh, so this guy was suing for that. I, I, I didn't hear about that either. So you heard it here first, guys. The Bag and Boardcast says the Suicide Squad is just like a McDonald's sandwich. <laughs> it's one of those oh, fast yeah. food places. But yeah, she sued and she won. So this guy was suing because he's like, it made me think Joker was going to be in the movie more. I'm surprised that this is beating Guardians, though, because when Guardians came out, I, I heard nothing but great things about it and Suicide Squad it's been so mixed mm-hmm. that I'm surprised this is doing better is it maybe just because Suicide Squad's a little bit more approachable since it's characters that people at least have some bearing on like with Harley Quinn and Joker I, I think it's Harley Quinn and Joker people are like oh we love Harley it's so surprising that Harley Quinn has that I think that major pop culture crossover. So cool, though, which I still can't wrap my brain around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like well, it's like Scarface. Like every like, there's a weird population of people that love the Scarface movies, and well, I, yeah, well, Scarface he had a big I movie. Like Twelve, and I was like, eh, this isn't that good. Yeah, but, it wasn't like a huge movie. Like it wasn't like yeah, yeah, yeah. Academy Award winning movie. It just was a movie. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, this weird popular oh, right, right. got like okay, I see what you're saying. Like fell in love with Scarface. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. I know people are still saying, like, oh, there's going to be a Harley Quinn movie yeah. coming. Like, they're they're going to start working on that, which... I've heard uh, a review... what I've, like, heard and read, and, I mean, it's all just hearsay at this point, like, Deadshot and Harley Quinn are kind of, like, the best parts of this movie, and it's Will Smith. How can he not be the best part of a movie, so... Yeah, I've heard, you know, in reviews that it's Will Smith playing Will Smith, and it's not really, like, Floyd he, Lawson. Yeah, but how is uh, how are you going to play yeah. Floyd? Will Smith playing Will Smith is why you see Will Smith movies. It's the mm-hmm. same thing, you know, that I expect out of Nick Cage. Like, or, yeah. they're, or, or The Rock. Know, the Rock. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, you go in knowing what you're going to get from them, and you're okay with it because you like who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce Campbell, another, like, prime example of that. Like, I love Bruce Campbell because he never lets me down because I know exactly what I'm in for. Stop staring at me, Paul. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, see, he's, like, totally zoned out just staring at me. And I was waiting well, for you to stop, but you didn't. <laughs> sorry, so what Chris. Else do we have, what else do we have coming out? Or, oh, well, let's talk about Pete's Dragon a little bit more because we kind of glossed over that because they that, got glossed over. Yeah. This, ever, this movie just, I, I don't know... Why anyone got, that's seen it, I don't know anyone that wanted to see it. It was actually just the whole population of Wisconsin got together and just went to see it. 
And that's They're like, what... hey, it's green. He likes the Packers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine if he was carrying the football. <laughs> yep, that's more sport references for you. Yeah, there you go. I Pete's Dragon is something I would I would see, but that would be one of those like five dollar cheap seats kind of thing. Yeah, I would go see it at a, like the Dollar Show or just wait till it came out on DVD. I loved Pete's Dragon, the original. See, yeah, I, I did. I did too. Like, I loved the original one. Disney's been doing great with their live action adaptations of those classic animated films, and I think having this come out after the Jungle Book probably wasn't the smartest move. But at the same time, I think having this come out before Jungle Book probably would have been worse for Jungle Book. I think this movie shouldn't have come out during the summer. It should have been like a oh, those holiday, holiday, fall, yeah, November kind well, of. Well, don't movie. they have what do they have coming out? Well, they got Star Wars Moana. coming out. Oh, and Moana. Yeah, Moana like, looks like it's going to be pretty fun. good. That looks fun. That looks like it has the humor that it, I kind of want. It's got the rock in. <laughs> it's got the rock. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think what uh, Pete's Dragon was really lacking was Idris Elba, though. <laughs> if they had put Idris Elba in it, like they are, like every as, other movie that they have, it as the dragon that Elba bump. Every time I see him, like on the like, every time he's on the Office, I point out who he plays in other movies to hate, and he's <laughs> like, "No, <laughs> like you know the the blind guy that guards the gate in uh, Thor." Yeah, that's him. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I've never read any of the Dark Tower books, but... That looks good. I don't know. I'm, I'd look forward to the movie because he's in it, but then I remember Matthew McConaughey's in it, and then I'm just kind of like, ah, I don't know. I'm not a McConaughey fan. Yeah. He's, he's hit or miss for me. I thought he was great in True Detective. I think he's all right, all right, all right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I had to. Mm. You said he was good. Chris said he was bad. I, I, I was left with nothing but bad. Left with nothing. I'd say he was bad. I just said, hi. He's he, he's yeah. one of those actors that I I just don't get. I guess. All right. Another actor you might not get is the. Uh, hey, nice segue. Uh, once He Man and Punisher actor <laughs> Dolph Lundgren, who has. That's what you meant, right? Yes. Who has been cast uh, in uh, season four of WB's Arrow. Five. Season five, sorry. That's okay. Uh, and he will be playing K- the villain Kovar, who's been mentioned in season four, and uh, will be a character who will be the villain in the flashbacks for uh, Oliver Queen. Uh, interested to see where it goes. The end of season four for Arrow um, kind of made me want to rethink watching Arrow. Um, You're not alone, though. <laughs> but having Dolph Lundgren as the villain for season four, I might stop back on uh, Wednesdays and check it out. Is the Flashpoint verse happening also over an Arrow? Flashpoint? Uh, I don't think so. I think the Flashpoint it's- stuff. It's just a flash thing, but uh, Stephen Amell is the king of social media, mm. and he's put up pictures kind of hinting towards there is a big crossover happening between all the CW shows now. And did you see that uh, there, uh, Supergirl and The Flash is getting a musical 
crossover event. I saw you post something about it, but I didn't see... Yeah, it, I posted something about it as as a Buffy the Vampire Slayer joke, you know, equating Supergirl to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because, yeah. you know, they got they basically canceled, but once. they got picked up by a different... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, picked up by the CW. Yeah. <laughs> or from the CW to uh, UPN. Because that's where uh, Buffy went. Because it was on WB and then it went to UPN. Yeah, now it's the CW. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Well, did UPN merge with Yeah, they WB? merged. Oh, and that's how it became the CW. Okay. Um, but uh, I, it, I think it's kind of fun. I kind of want to see Dolph Lundgren back in the superhero realm. Um, and then uh, the other bit of news that I had was a uh, little comic book news for us. Ooh. And that is... No, Comic-Con happened, so we should have some comic book news, right? Sean Murphy, um, comic book news. One, of my, uh, one of the artists I really like, mm-hmm. uh, he signed a two-year exclusive agreement with um, DC... Uh, to work on All-Star Batman, and then to be working on his own Elseworld series. So um, definitely glad to know that he's going to be part of Batman for a while and see what else he's going to be doing at DC. I doubt that we know anything about the Elseworld book, uh, especially contract stuff, like how much you know creator-owned like, possession he gets to maintain because sean murphy is just that indie guy you know yeah he'll get a good paycheck by doing some you know dc work some marvel work work but man he just seems to really love the indie stuff he does like so i'm surprised that he would sign an exclusive like only dc work so i have to imagine that elseworld stuff that he's going to be doing he has a little like uh, if it does get picked up for our movie rights, he gets a little kickback from it or something. Because I know DC says they take care of their creators and they always give, you know, uh, creators a, a little line in there in, in the movies, you know, based off of story by so and so. But yeah, it's about them. Eventually, it's about the money, right? Like, yeah, you do creator own work. So you can sell it to a movie and or sell it to be a TV show and you get taken care of. I know a lot of like those DC and Marvel creators do still get to hold on to their um, creator-owned properties, and they can keep working on those. Mm-hmm. It's more just something to keep them away from the Marvels or the DCs kind of thing. Yeah, usually, but usually in these kind of headlines, they'll even mention, yeah, he'll still do the indie work. You know, he's still continuing. But Sean Murphy doesn't have any indie series coming out currently, right? Uh, Tokyo Ghost. Oh, right. And before... I don't know if The Wake's still going on. No, The the Wake's over. And he was also doing a book with... um, Who's the guy that wrote Kick-Ass? Mark Millar. Oh, Mark Mark Millar. Millar. He was doing a a series with Mark Millar, too. Over on Millar Um, World, which is an imprint of Marvel. Right? Yeah, that was because, like, yeah. Cosmonauts or something like that. And they sold the rights to that for movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's, I mean, he's got some movie stuff going on. And, the, yeah. And, and the, uh, I think he's just, I think they probably just offered it to him. And he was like, well, that was going to work for anyone else. So, yeah, why not? Just sign on, sign on the dotted line and get a, a nice check and know you got stuff coming in. Mm-hmm. No, he has the work coming to, towards him. Yeah. yeah. 
because man, I can't imagine being an artist because you're so dependent on your health and your hands, like, and knowing that you, you, all your work is like basically page counts. Like it's every time you uh, go to slice a bagel, you have to be a little bit worried, right? Right. Or power washing. Or power washing, and you slice your hand open. Um, I feel like he does pretty well with whatever he gets as his page rate. Um, yeah, but that would just stop, other... you know, because there's been so many, you know, like famous artists that get sick and then don't, don't wish bad hands on Sean. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry, Chris. Keep going. But not because um, I was trying to look up what other books he he's on right now, and it actually led me to his um, comic book art vendor who sells his pages, and his pages sell for a decent amount. I mean, I know you can't base his income on this, but I mean, if one person buys one of his pages in a month, I mean, it's like $500. That's just a regular page. not like, Covers go for around 2500 Okay. So he's... I mean, he's established enough that he can actually get that amount. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, the comic book artwork that I've bought the most I've ever paid for a page is like $120, you know? Yeah. Are you surprised? Well, with Sean Mar- Murphy, I'm not that surprised that he would have actual also, pages still, because there's so many people that are digital. Yeah, I think like, that's one of the reasons why you can ask more money is because you're it's a rare commodity now. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I'm surprised. Like every time I hear somebody goes to a comic book store, a comic book convention, and like gets a page, because I'm like, they still they still do that. Because back when we were going to conventions, like they were talking about how they were moving all. To the digital format, you know, they got their tablets or their uh, drawing tabs, and, and you know, their sync. Uh, what are they called? I forgot what yeah. they're called. But and I think we just have one more bit of news, some sad news. Oh, Chris. Um, yeah, it's a little bit sad. Um, actor Kenny Baker, who you may know best as the man inside of R two D two, has passed away uh, this past week. Yeah, I, you know what? I was because R two D two is probably my favorite of all the robots. Like I sat, the, you know, when I heard the news and I was typing up the little thing for our, our uh, Facebook page, I was really serious. I was sitting there like going through like every single robot. And Rosie, the robot from the Jetsons, she makes the list. But R two D two is the coolest, most badass robot, right? Like. Yeah. Complete robot, not, you know, like Cylon, Cyborg things. But the Cylon Centurions would make the, you know, would be on that list because they're cool. But not the, you know, like replicants because those are too much. That's that's where I make the cutoff, you know, like yeah. cy- complete Cyborg versus robot. Uh, Time Bandits, which he was in. Oh, was, yeah, he was in Time Bandits. Um, that's another uh, sick day movie for me. Hmm. Um, but uh, Mark Hamill came out to say um, goodbye to a lifelong loyal friend. I loved his optimism and determination. He was the droid I was looking for. Aww. So I thought that was something actually really nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was 81. He was sick for a while. He'd been sick, too. I don't know what he had, but it just took its toll. Oh, man. We're going to lose, lose Peter Molyneux pretty soon, too, the original Chewbacca. We all know it. Oh, what did I call him? Molyneux. You're thinking about the guy from... um, Yeah, the Fables. Peter Molyneux. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 
Goodbye, sweet prince. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, you ready to talk about your next beer, Chris? Because Paul and I finished ours a while ago. It's hot in this room. Let, let's drink. Let's drink to the droid. And Paul and I are drinking Dogfish Heads Flesh in Blood IPA. This is an IPA brewed with lemon peel and the pulp and flesh, or the pulp from uh, Blood Orange. Hmm. Um, I like this more than the Flying Dog. I thought that it had a, it had a little more of a citrusy pop to it. I still don't think it's as good as Lagunitas Citronisesis, which I think has the best blood orange flavor I've had in a beer. Three three citrus pilau? Because that one that is, is no, citrus all the way through. I forgot because that beer was out so limited. Mm-hmm. That was a fantastic beer. Three citrus pilau was but that one is so is, expensive it was a four pack. That was grapefruit and tangerine. I'm just thinking blood orange because okay. these two were both blood orange based mm-hmm. yeah best grapefruit um yeah tangerine beer yeah definitely three citrus peel out citrus is really good uh, it had the best to me the blessed best blood orange flavor to it i'm liking i well i like this one flesh and blood a little bit more than i enjoyed the uh what it was the something romance Oh the, yeah, the, the um, ginger and lime or lemon and something. Yeah, the um, I forget chemically it was like romance peach. or something. Yeah, from Dogfish Head. Mm-hmm. It, also from Dogfish Head. So I was really surprised that this beer came out already. You know, I'm like, wait, didn't they just release a like a that citrus? That was their spring. This was their kind of late summer. Okay. Um, but this is a little bit better than this uh, than that one. I would pick up. Flesh and Blood over, like, I think, what was it, Chemical Romance or something like that? Yeah. Um, I would pick... Because I didn't get any ginger off of that. It said it had ginger think. in it. The last one. Not the Flesh and Blood. The something yeah, romance. The, yeah, I'm going to look it up. This, at least, I got the nice blood orange <clears> up front, <throat> and then I got all lemon aftertaste. Like, it felt like I was, like, actually... Like, it almost felt like I just ate a lemon... You know that t- kind of tingling sensation, that like mouth feel, which I I enjoyed. So I enjoy this. Uh, this one's good. This one um, came out. It was really short lived. It wasn't a lot, a big allotment um, sent out there. But they are going to re-release it again, and that is going to be one of the first beers that Dogfish Head cans. I think sixty minute and this one um, are going to be canned, and that's interesting because Sam. Uh, from Dogfish had had come out to say that they will never can, but just how the market is, people want cans. I I like the versatility of a can. I like being able to take it someplace. Like I think they're easier to carry. I can take them to more places. I I do enjoy the can. Romantic chemistry. Romantic chemistry, not chemical romance. Oh, I'm thinking of that silly band. About the emo band. Yeah, and it was their, a mango writers. It was a books. mango and apricot beer. Mango apricot. Hardway does have some comic books coming out too, so mm-hmm. you can. But we'll be talking about those. And ginger. Yep. Yeah, and ginger. And I didn't get much mango, and I didn't get much ginger. Ginger. Hey, I, I see a picture from Christopher Roy. He was drinking a Tangerine Soul style IPA from Green uh, Flash Brewing, but that was a while ago. That was my first beer. He's drinking something new now. I'm drinking something else now, and 
I'm also drinking a beer from Dogfish Head, and this is their Sea Quench Ale, their Session Sour, which is um, brewed with lime peel, black limes, and sea salt. Um, you got to give it up for Dogfish Head. They always try something different. I don't think I've ever had any other beers brewed with lime. Um, you definitely get a liminess out of this. It's it's really light. It's really crisp. Um, I, I don't know if I'm just having that. I wrote this on the label, but I, I can get the sea salt off of it when I when I take that sip and then smack my lips. Hmm. Um, this is really pleasant. It's really different from any of the other beers I've had this summer so far. I don't know if it's something I could drink a lot of. Um, it is very limey, so it has that tart to it, um, which I don't want to say takes away from the drinkableness of it. Um, it's it's just so light for a sour. I, I kind of didn't expect that. It's a good balance of light, so I want to keep going back to it, and that sour, that kind of makes me want to savor it. Mm-hmm. This is one that I'm, I'm probably going to have to get a little bit deeper into it, but... Uh, like a couple mouthfuls in, I'm I'm digging it. It sounds good. It's something I definitely want to yeah. um, try to find because some of these releases are like they're here and then they're gone. Um, so it probably I know this one just came out. I'm going to try to look for it. But I just yeah, recently I, I saw this everywhere at my beer store. They had like three different places, but I could not find that flesh and blood at all, which was kind of surprising because they had a bunch of other stuff from Dogfish Head there too, like. A lot of the ancient ales, um, like the Blank Minute series, I, I could find so much stuff except for that one that I actually wanted to grab. Chris, you know what you do if you ever see a Shanti, right? Oh, yeah. You buy it. You hold I'm it for me. It. And he, he drinks it himself. <laughs> and then you drink it yourself. And, I, and, I drink it and then you write me a long letter, and I want it mailed to me. It's <laughs> stale mail. The, uh, the with the label, and I will oh, sniff the I'll, label. I'll take, I'll take a sip and then I'll lick the envelope. So when you oh. open it up, you just get that little bit of a whiff. I recently had um, from um, New Belgium the Lips of Faith, um, the citrus flowering citrus. I think it's How called. How was that one? Because they had that there too, and I thought about it. It's key lime, lemon, and hibiscus um, flower. And right up front, you get the like at the front of their tongue, you get that tart lemon mm-hmm. lime. And then mid palate finish, you have um, the kind of the flowering taste, and then overall just a nice kind of seven percent stronger Belgian kind of taste to it, but really good. And so when you said the the lemon and lime, I was like, oh, I just I literally, you know, yesterday mm-hmm. had a lemon and lime beer, and it was really good. Oh, that that's one I might look into. I haven't had any beers with flowers in them that I've ever actually been like, oh yeah, I. I would I would drink more of that. Um, For whatever reason, he said uh, lime, you know, as a sour, and I keep on it just doesn't work in my mind because I always think lime tart, not lime sour. Yeah, but sour and tart are. Yeah, I mean, you. I know it, they're neighbors, but yeah, it, but you know, I, I'm like. No, if you were going for a sour, why wouldn't you just use lemon? Because that's it, the citrus it, that's it's sour. Different. That's why. It's, yeah, but, I mean, they they could have done this with lemon and. Mm-hmm. I probably would have said most of the same stuff, but the fact that it's lime, lime I'm more interested. Take a little bit more note, you know. Exactly, and that's how I would be too. I'd be like, "Oh, lime! I'm interested. Oh, it's a sour. 
I'm like, and then I would just sit there, like, looking at the can, like, did they mean lemon? And they just wrote lime? Because I do that all the time. And I would just be confused. I think I think I w- might have a brain aneurysm at the store, like, looking at that <laughs> label. That's all I'm saying. I think it's, it's just Paul thinking too much. I'm thinking we're doing the Justice League next, but we're not. <laughs> we're talking about figment. But first, we got to do a dramatic reading. First, we got to talk about oh, the list. Oh. <coughs> I am so confused today. I did not have enough calories. That's all I know. <laughs> Don't worry, your your beer has calories. I know. You're drinking. I'm making a, up all my calories. You're drinking a crushable tall boy right now too. I had to. I have to. I'm at a 1,400 calorie deficit right now before we start drinking. Okay, hopefully, I can make that up. I'm just looking forward to whatever crappy fast food I can get for dinner when I finish up recording today, because I ate lunch at, like, noon, and then I haven't had anything since then. Well, I'm looking forward to a new number one from Image Comics. This is Demonic. This book focuses on Detective Scott Graves, who'll do anything to protect his family, even bargain away his soul. Now the only thing to fear itself isn't New York's worst criminals, but what's already raging inside of him. After all, what's the cost of your soul when it's already damaged? A new number one from Christopher Sabella and Nico Walter on art. Book sounded interesting. Um, it's I've been having a hard time finding new books. Everybody's kind of already started books and books that I've been enjoying i some of them i haven't kept up on because i know i can just pick them up in a big group and Mm -hmm. stream steamroll them just stream them like a netflix show (laughs) yeah binge binge reading yeah uh that's kind of what i've been doing as a comic book reader lately so a new number one something that sounds interesting i like those creative books so i did demonic number one Hmm. Paul, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to a new number one. Oh it's, my gosh, is it Supergirl? It is Supergirl. It's almost <laughs> like we talked about it before the show. It's Supergirl Rebirth number one. You know why I'm looking forward to it? Because it's written by Steve Orlando. Yeah, and he has a cool name. With art by, I don't remember. Ray McCarthy. Is it because yeah. she has metallic-looking lips? She does have metallic-looking lips on the couch. It's because she's fighting Kryptonian werewolves. Oh my gosh! I don't even know what that means. Were they bit by Green Arrow? They might have been. <laughs> and I'm going to react like that's a new joke, even though he said it twice. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I fell off a of Green Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Sounds like it hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is uh, Supergirl turns to the shadowy organization known as the DEO, aka Department of Extra Normal Operations, uh, to restore her lost powers once and for all. I didn't know Supergirl lost her powers, but okay, whatever. Um, here we go, and uh, she's going to battle some uh, Kryptonian werewolves. The one thing I hate is that they have. Why are they Kryptonian? Like, I like the idea of Superman being the last son of Krypton and you can skirt away with that whole idea because oh well Supergirl's the last daughter of Krypton and then you add in Power Girl well she's the last daughter of Krypton from another dimension or another universe that's now here the more and then oh General Zod's around well then he's 
he's the disowned son of Krypton. Like, I don't like more than one Kryptonian. Like, they should be, it should, they should be the last, right? How do you feel about Highlanders? Oh, there can only be one, Chris. That's the answer I was looking for. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for summing up all my angst and resentment towards <laughs> Kryptonian werewolves in such a great nerdy way. John. I, I rest my case. John. Yes. Could Dolph Lundgren be a Highlander? Oh my gosh. Dude, and if he had the He-Man sword? He-Man. Because <laughs> he took out Blade in that movie. He would have the power. He would have the, he's, he's a master of the universe. Mm-hmm. And those guys come from another planet. Yeah, and they just need to play a very funky guitar. Yeah. Oh, so cool. It's one of those Japanese keyboards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to watch that again. Is that on Netflix by any chance? <laughs> Might be. It's probably somewhere for it probably on It's probably on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> Chris. I need to go to Target and see if I can find it for like four dollars. They they actually pay you four dollars at Target to take it off their shelves. That's that's the deal they got going. Uh Chris, what comic book are you gonna spend four dollars on? Um you guys remember how much we liked Gotham Academy? Yeah. It was remember fun. Remember how much we liked Lumberjanes? Yes. You know what I think our next favorite book's going to be? The crossover between Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy? No, I didn't pick that one up. But oh. it's Backstagers <laughs> number one, and this is coming out from Boom Studios. This is written by James Tinian IV with art by Ryan Singh. Oh, there's going to be so many owls. Uh, <laughs> it could be. Um, this is about a kid named Jory who transfers to a private school. And while he's there, he decides he might as well join the stage crew for the school musical, um, just to have something to fall back on, since he's not going to know anybody. He's going to hate life. Little uh, bit, a little bit of a backstory for Paul. I did that <laughs> to hang out with Kate Moore before we started dating. I joined stage crew to hang out with Kate. This this kid's story sounds more interesting. Oh. There's, there's there's a door backstage that leads to a different world, but all the other kids on the stage crew know about this. Okay. So, my story's just as interesting, except I didn't have the door. I had a girl. John is Uh, showing me that, yes... You also didn't have a a bunch of spunky friends that are all in this together. Uh, He was friends with Ed. He was friends with Scott. Yeah. His friends were cool. (laughs) He was spunky spunky and fun. Ed was the first person that I told that I wanted to marry Kate. Uh, Masters of the Universe, Chris. uh, Free on Netflix. Or there free on, I'm sorry, free on, YouTube, on YouTube. My night's planned. Very nice. No, but, um, Fast food. Back, backstagers number one. Um, James Tanian the fourth. The most th- recent thing we've read from him, I think, was The Woods. and We really like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's more kids going to a crazy dimension. I think The Woods is going to be a little bit more hard-edged. Um, this definitely seems more in line with the Kaboom type of stuff, even though it's not imprinted as that, but... Or, or no, what do they call it now? Boombox? Yeah, they called it Boombox for a little bit. It was Boom Kids, then it was Kaboom, and then it was Boombox. I have no idea where it landed. No. I'm, I'm not sure what they're wrapping it up as, because it doesn't say in the uh, solicitation info. But Let's call the Lamps and Gators. <laughs> they, were, go. they were fun to talk to at the, the Boston Convention. But yeah, that's, uh, that's my book. So we finally can get into the main topic, but right no. after okay. a dramatic <laughs> reading. I thought you were pulling a pulse. No, of course not. I was setting up to get I, that dramatic I, reading read. 
I'm sorry, guys. I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Click and over. Now, a dramatic reading <clears throat> from Disney Kingdom's Figment, number two, page ten, panel four. Without the gamismatic converter here to create another portal, I honestly don't know how we're going to get home. Well, think of something. Until then, we'll just stay in this quiet little cave and wait for the rain to stop. Orko's back. Orko's there, guys. Orko, in my mind, every time I read Figment, it was Orko voice. It was complete Orko voice. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Was a dramatic <laughs> from Disney Kingdom's Figment, number two, page ten, panel four. I am. You can see that panel over at the show notes page for this episode, just bagboard.com, episode number three hundred eleven. Check it out. It's and there. and yeah, if you want to uh, hire me for any uh, voiceover work that you may or may not have planned, uh, just uh, email us contact at bagboardcast.com. No, I need the low rent porco. <laughs> I know the perfect guy. Oh, that perfect guy is me, by the way. Hey, yeah. So, con- so make sure if you have any voiceover work you want me to do, contact at begmorecast.com. And you know it's good for the voice. Drinking beer. Drinking beer. And we are drinking. That's probably why you sound better this week. Oh, yeah, I sound a lot better. Uh, we are drinking. Uh, we had this. Uh, Probably about a month and a half, maybe two months ago, we had the XPA Indian Pale Ale from Woodcock Brothers 6.0, and now we are having the 7.0. Uh, 7.0 is using Citra, Armarillo, and an experimental hop number 07270. Um, this is really extremely different from the 6.0. 6.0 had those tropical hops. They were using Citra, Armor, uh, Citra, Azeka, and Mosaic hops to give it a real tropical pop. And this one has more of that kind of danky, earthy kind of ness to it. Um, really good. It's going down so smooth. Uh, mm-hmm. Tall boy cans. And when this one came out, I had this one prior to having one with you, Paul. No offense. No offense, Dave. Uh, you gave me uh, <clears throat> the 6.0 and also um, the 7.0. And the 7.0. So. In tasting it and seeing what they were doing, I kind of can justify the $10.49. Now that I've had two different versions, these guys are making really good, crushable, drinkable IPAs. Something that they could sell year-round but instead, they keep going back and experimenting with this and delivering another really good IPA. And it's not like they're just changing the number, mm-hmm. changing the hops, giving it to you. They're putting out a really good IPA every time. And, I mean, you have Firestone Walker who's doing the same thing, th- same thing with their optical distortion or luponic distortion. But at least these guys are telling you what hops they're changing mm-hmm. and what what different they're doing to this beer. And that beer is like 11-something for a six-pack. These are You're still getting the same amount of beer with these being the tall boy cans. And you, know, you know who else is doing a single hop series that's supposed to be really good? That tells you which hop they're doing? 
Long Trail? Uh, well, Long Trail, yes. But also uh, Voodoo Brewing down in Meadsville, PA. <laughs> Available only at their brew pub. Just saying. Just saying. We'll have to make more trips more <laughs> often. We're going to make more trips more often because, man, the stuff that they put out on their Facebook page makes me want to just drive down there. Usually because I'm at work <laughs> and I just want to get away and drink. But uh, there's if I had to get away to drink with anybody other than you, John, it'd be with Chris. So, Chris, what are you drinking? Well, Paul, what do you think uh, about this beer? It's it's good. Yeah, Everything that you said, John, I agree with. It is crushable. It is a nice, balanced... It's not like a hit-you-over-the-head IPA. It's not a chill wave. It's not a, a Lake Erie Monster. It's not anything from Sierra Nevada or from Stone Brewery. This is a drinkable... It's They call it XIPA because you can drink it exponentially fast. Well, it's because it's an experimental idea. Yeah, but I was <clears throat> fine. Step on my joke. Okay, sorry. No, that's cool. Uh, it's, it definitely doesn't feel like it. When you're drinking it, it doesn't feel like an Indian pale ale. It drinks so, you know, it drinks so much lighter than that. It feels like Sessions. Granted, it's 6.5, so it's a little bit of a bigger boy than a Session, but... It drinks like one, and it's, I enjoy it. It's good. I, I think I'd pick it up every time they do this. I have no problem grabbing it. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris was going beer for beer for us. Beer for beer. So, what's yes. his beer? I, I didn't know what uh, XPA was. I know you had it before, <laughs> but I didn't remember. So, I read it as Extra Pale Ale. Ooh. They were ramping like a, it up a bit. Like a dipper. Almost like a dipper. So, uh, I went to the Elysian Space Dust IPA. Ooh, um, because they had that at the uh, beer store. I had this one once before, and it was a while ago, so I couldn't remember too much about it. Uh, when I looked it up on Untapped, I had put it at a 4.0, and I think that still stands. This is uh, IPA brewed with Amarillo, Chinook, and Citra hops. Um, I know I like at least one of those with the Citra hops. It's it's nice. It's drinkable. I don't think this would be something that uh, would be crushable, as you guys have been saying. It, it's dandy. I like it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's not my favorite IPA from Elysian. I'd still probably take something like the Super Fuzz over it. Um, That's a good citrus yeah, IPA. I, I really like that one a lot. I really like <clears> Space <throat> Dust, though. Oh. Sp- Space Dust, it's, it's good. Um, would, you, would you throw uh, Dayglow? Yeah, Dayglow IPA. Oh, Dayglow would definitely yeah, be Yeah, Dayglow's good, too. Top that list more. I'm, I, I said they haven't had that one. Oh. So I'm um, power ranking. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, that's okay. I, I'm, I'm really digging this one. It's, from what I remember of it, it still does kind of have that bitter that dries your tongue out a little bit. Um, it's not as bad as I remember. So I don't know if it's just the fact that I haven't had this in years now and I'm kind of more accustomed to the hops and just... I really like Space Dust. I've gotten into it more, but um, yeah, I, I dig it a lot. I think I go Space Dust, Dayglow, then uh, Super Fuzz. Are you doing just uh, beers, Dayglow, beers Super from Fuzz, Space Dust? Well, I've those three. Dayglow. Those three, John. That's what I was doing. I'm sorry, John was talking. What did you say, Chris? Uh, I think I would go Dayglow, uh, then Super Fuzz, then Space Dust, because Dayglow yeah. was so cheap and it was so good. It was so good. And also. Yeah, and I remember you liking Super Fuzz more than I did, so that think, makes sense. I think I I'm would a, do. I'm da- gonna run to the restroom quick. Sorry. Okay. Well, I Chris would, is uh, John's gonna give us. His I'll do. Uh, I would do Dayglow, Space Test, and then uh, Super Fuzz. 
But you know what Elysian makes, Paul, that's going to be coming out this year? Darker the Moon? Darker the Moon. Yeah, but we were so depressed with the last year. Yeah, but every year year is going to be different. I'm hoping it's a cinnamon beer again. And this year, it's staying on the shelves. I think I can still get Darker the Moon at Premiere from last year. Yeah, you might. It these pumpkin and that's why I'm so upset that I see these pumpkin beers because I don't think they have ever <clears throat> went away. Some of them haven't. Like they're um, still on the shelves. They from got last year. so hung on pumpkin beer. Like distributors got mm-hmm. so hung on pumpkin beers in harvest sales that like the salesmen's and stuff had to buy them back. Um, mm-hmm. Some companies buy their beers back. And you're able to sell them back mm-hmm. to the company. Sometimes the salesmen who bring it into the stores have to take them. And, like, the Cerdo guys had to buy back a lot. And they were actually doing days, like, in the week, like, hey, today's the day we go to Tony's and drink some (laughs) uh, pumpkin and harvest beers. And, like, next week we'll go over to Bob's and we'll have a couple of his. And so, like, I was talking to them and he's like, I don't want to drink. This is being recorded. Should this not be recorded? I don't think so. I don't care. Uh, And, like, they would just be like, the one rep I talked was like, I'm so sick of pumpkin beers. I had to drink it so long and so long. I don't want any this year. Yeah. And even, like, for the company I work for, they want us to go light on pumpkin and harvest, like, only bring in a few uh, pumpkin beers because it was such a bad year well, last year it for got pumpkin slog. beers. I, I, I've, even as a pumpkin beer fan, <laughs> like, hey, uh, we're hey, still sorry. recording. Um, even last year, I'm such a fan of pumpkin beers that even I was like overwhelmed by them because I couldn't keep up. Like I had the pumpkin, I had, uh, the pump, the, uh, dogfish head, uh, because they drop a couple letters out of it. What is it? Pump. Punked King. Punked King. Or pumpkin. Pumpkin. I had the dogfish, the, uh, Dark of the Moon. I had, uh, Warlock. I had... The uh, there was another one. There was the honker, the big honker one that comes out uh, from Anderson Valley. Yeah, that I think the Anderson Valley, I had the Saranac, the, I had, the Anderson Valley, um, the country bourbon pumpkin aged, from Ithaca, the bourbon aged pumpkin probably is my favorite pumpkin beer. Um, I had that last year and just, I'd I'd had a previous before, but it was just like, it's the perfect amount of pumpkin and then you get the Mm bourbon-iness to it. It's so good. Then I'd probably say like Warlock, but like last year I was so down on those pumpkin beers because there were so many Mm -hmm. and they came out so early in August that I just was like, ugh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I... I just remember being disappointed across the board. Like, nothing stands out to me. Like, I'm not looking forward to any single pumpkin beer this year because I'm like, whatever. I'm done. Oh, oh Warlock. Yeah. yeah. Are they I doing Rum King this year? I haven't seen it. I don't, think, I don't think they're doing it again this year because they mass-produced it and it didn't sell And it came well. out so much later than the other one. Yeah. It came out closer to, um, it came out closer to Thanksgiving. And by that time, I was so disappointed with all of the pumpkins that I've had. I'm and like, it, screw it. I'm it not wasn't spending good. 11 And I don't think, I, yeah. I, I like rumpkin. I mean, it wasn't my favorite of the three, but <laughs> it, it held up. I might have a warlock and a pumpkin downstairs still. No. I probably do. I, um, I, I am not, at this moment, I mean, like, August, for, uh, like, 
Chris, you live in Florida, but like August for us has been so hot. Like right now. Oh, oh God. <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> we've actually registered hotter than you have. Like for like three or four yeah, days. What's your humidity been at? Oh, it's been uh, it's, it's been nice. Like it's, it's like ridiculous. It's been soup. I cannot. Go Our humidity. Just sweating. Our humidity has been soup. <laughs> like the weather reporter comes on and he's just holding soup and he's like, "This is the weather today. This is the weather. Soup, hot soup." Uh, but yeah, it's like I can't even think of I can't even think of having a pumpkin right now, and. Everybody who comes through my work is just like, oh, they're out already? Can you believe it? And then I'm like, well, as an Oktoberfest, it's a lager. You can drink a lager whenever. It's actually better when it's warmer. It's a lager. Well, you know, there are some stores that have put out Halloween candy already as well. Uh, those are considered back-to-school candies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because jack-o'-lanterns. And this is something that Our we kind of talked about off show for the like the past week now because I got <coughs> the New Belgium. Oh, I'm blanking out on the name of it now. The New Belgium pumpkin, though, whatever they have, yeah, their version of it. Um, and it it was really good. And it hasn't been too long since I've had a pumpkin beer because I've had those bottles of uh, pumpkin just and Warlock hanging out that I drank because. Why not? Because they were on sale. <laughs> they were on sale. I, I bought them. I drank them. I still loved it. Uh, I don't. It. It was still good. I think it's one of the things. Like I'm not surrounded by it constantly now. Like autumn is a myth down here because <laughs> it's just perpetual <laughs> summer. Uh, winter's just a less humid summer. <laughs> so I don't know. It was. It wasn't as. It was bad. Like I'm not. I'm not put off by the fact that I'm seeing the pumpkin stuff now, like as much as I would have been when I was living up north, even when I was in Michigan and it was like pumpkin beers everywhere. So, um, I don't know here. It's maybe it's like just that nostalgia a little bit that, that tastes at home, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad they're coming out because I'm, I'm just a white girl at heart. I guess I, I love pumpkin, everything. Yeah. It's called a pump kick from, um, pump kick. That's New Belgium, and it's it's brewed with um, cranberry, so it has a tartness to it. See, I thought I was a pumpkin fan until I had that Dark of the Moon two years ago, where I'm like, you're a I'm, a cin- I'm like, oh shit, pumpkin's great because it's a cinnamon de- uh, delivery device. Like, give me more cinnamon. I, would, I want it. I would pick. Um, go ahead. I would pick up the Dark of the Moon this year to see if it's as good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I'm I'm that dr- I'm that junkie just chasing that dragon man, and I'll probably pick up. I've given so many great episode titles in the <laughs> three minutes. I uh, <laughs> mark it, mark the time, so we can listen back and see what's good. Uh, and I would do Warlock, but I think the main pumpkin beer I'm going to buy and drink is the Anderson Valley um, Bourbon Age Pumpkin Stout because it just was phenomenal last year. I'm, I'm kind like as much as I love. Pumpkin and Warlock. I'm kind of sad that I can't get the Ichabod from New Holland. New Holland, because mm-hmm. that that was a that was a really good pumpkin beer. I enjoy the New Holland Dragon's Milk too. Yeah, uh, they just I that saw bourbon that barrel one. They just put out a new version of Dragon's Milk. I they, think it was brutal. They got a couple going. They on. they like two years ago. Last year they did a bunch of different ones. And man, if only we had a reason to drive all the way to Michigan. 
you know, like an anniversary. Like I need to call in some like Michigan favors, like hey. you know, like a brewery celebrating a 15th anniversary on Saturday or something. You know, maybe I don't know, like Cunahan. I know uh, one of my friends <laughs> Sorry, was down here a couple months ago, and I, <laughs> I hung out with him for a day. And I got, got him uh, into Disney, and now I feel like I need to like, hey, remember that time? Send me beer. <laughs> You owe me. Uh, so I'm owed. Mm-hmm. Dragon's what? milk, regular dragon's milk, coffee and chocolate, toasted chilies, raspberry, vanilla chai, triple. No, no, no. <laughs> vanilla chai. Vanilla chai. What up? Stop. What Sorry. up? Triple mashed stout, uh, and then raspberry. Are these released now? Yeah. Because. No, I mean summer 2015. My, my, um, but you have like dragon milk reserve, Mexican spiced cake. Because Kate agreed that she cake. was willing to go to Cunahan with me this weekend, even though I knew I would definitely owe her like <laughs> quite a bit because it's a four and a half hour drive, and it's a forty dollar ticket <clears throat> to go to their anniversary party. But you get like all the drinking, and they are releasing like everything they have, like the fourth dimension that they have that's aged they're opening 4D. everything all their bourbon age stuff how long stuff. ago was it when we had the 4D three, three years, years ago, ago. <laughs> three years two days <laughs> 27 hours call up Grant Morrison you know how you do that you open up a bottle of fourth dimension you pour it and you just talk to it and he hears you uh, yeah. and his answer is always no uh, <laughs> if Paul, if I didn't have just to have a wedding and I was know, I know. out of work for three weeks, I, I would uh, totally. Be, I would totally be. Th- Trust me, I tried but, to spin it as well as I could to my wife, and but, she just looked at me like, "You haven't gotten a paycheck in three weeks, bud. Like, and you want to go on this trip?" I'm like, "Please." But now, if New Holland <clears throat> has this has a vanilla chai dragon's milk out. <laughs> I might yeah, have why, to why go. I might have to go to Cunahan. You might, you might have to go to Cunahan and then be like, "Well, then, we're right. Well, we're right here." Place. And then she falls even, asleep. Even though it's like two hours away, you just oh, stay yeah. like right by this other place. Oh, she Kate's asleep by that time. Oh, I yeah, load her up fine. on alcohol. She's passed out. She doesn't know well, which way we're that's going. That's when you call your best friends Chris and uh, John on the way back and be like, "Hey, what do you guys want?" <laughs> yep. I kept her in the car. Pilgrim was told they should have that within the month. I'm pretty sure that's a that's, this is the scenario or this is the uh, scenario for uh, Taken Four, by the way. <laughs> Taken Four, <laughs> like I I leave Kate asleep in the car. I go to buy this beer for me, me and my friends, and I get back and the car is gone. Taken Four. I gotta call up Lee Liam Neeson, give him all the beer. Right. I have a certain set of skills. The skills don't come cheap. I'd be like, I got a vanilla chai, dragon's milk. Sold. Sold. And then you're like, I'm not sharing it with you. I'm just telling you what I have. <laughs> well, that's the twist at the end. <laughs> then he kills me. Oh, my gosh. And what time are we at? Because we haven't even started the main topic. Hour 10. <laughs> Hour 11. Let's go. Let's Figment. Go. Huh? Figment. Hey. That's hey, a book I read. We didn't have, we didn't have that much uh, news talk, so why not? <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Trade and policy. It's my pick. We read a Disney comic book. And this is Disney Kingdom's Figment, volume number one. Um, this was actually the second part of the Disney Kingdom's line coming out from over at Marvel Comics. 
Uh, we read issue number one as part of our monthly look back a couple of years ago, whenever it came out. Sorry, I don't have an episode number. Try to track it down and put it in the show notes. www.beggingboard.com. Find it there, whatever. Um, but yeah, this is a book written by Jim Zeb with art by Felipe Andrande, uh, centering around Disney's Journey into Imagination attraction uh, over at Epcot. And it tells the story of Blarian Mercurial, who is a hapless inventor, and just the kind of trouble that he gets into with his... What's it called, Paul? You read it in the dramatic reading. Uh, Mes- with his mesmonic... Ah, uh, I closed the window. Mesmonic visioner... Mesmonic converter? Converter, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, something. Um, but it's a fun, yep. crazy story, and this was something that... I think we all enjoyed reading issue number one. I think Paul, you had some issue with the the uh, expressions and the artwork. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, we all enjoy the actual book itself. And it, this is something that I wasn't. You know, if we never read another issue of it, I wouldn't have been like, "Oh, nerds!" I totally missed out. You know, it's because you know it was over. Like the the expressions were either over the top. Everybody was slack jawed. Or just solid stone face, and that continues on. But most of the action it doesn't face uh, doesn't uh, focus on faces after this. Like it's just like the wild whimsical action uh, that we get in the journey, and it feels almost like a ride. And I was almost going to ask you while I was reading it, Chris. Um, do we go through all the senses like during the ride? Because I. Because it's based off the, like you said, what's the ride name again? You just mentioned it. Sorry, what was that? What's the ride's name again? Journey into Imagination. Journey into Imagination with Figment. Yeah. So we, I know you go through the sense of smell and the sense of hearing and you know the five senses and the six senses of imagination. You you do you do uh, skip the taste and touch senses when you're going on your tour through the Imagination Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for story and just actual execution reasons, because you're on a on a track, you're in a car. How can they make you feel and taste things? And in this book, we go to sound mm-hmm. or hearing, and then we go right into nightmare, and then uh, back to earth, back to reality, back to reality. Uh, where where it's, it's kind of cool that to power up, all you need to do is uh, sit, cry a little bit, and grow a super awesome beard. Yeah, that's that's basically the same in life. Um, I I really love this book. I don't want to kind of run the main topic here because I, I feel like I would just dominate it with positivity. Um, but yeah, it's it's the story of uh, Blair Mercurial, with a quote unquote fa- failed inventor whose invention kind of springs to life quite literally when it creates an imaginary dragon named Figment that takes him into an alternate world. And while they are going through their adventure there, the head of the... Oh, I just read this. I'm blanking on the name. But the Academia Scientifica Lucidus? Sounds about right. Mm -hmm. um, The chairman of the school has used Blair's Invention and brought forth something called the Singularity, a robotic um, 
and, forth that just w- wants nothing but order into England. And the guy that puts it on, it's not like he did it maliciously. There was a hole, a portal that was sucking in things and causing all sorts of havoc. And he puts on the mesmatic converter in order to try to close the portal, and he wishes for, oh, I need to restore the order here, this is going crazy, and accidentally calls upon a demon machine that comes out of the nether realm. So, uh, and they start invading London. So he's not really a bad guy, like... He's, he's not a bad guy, but he's kind of that 80s movie villain, like, douchebag like, kind of guy. He's the, um... He's the authority figure who wants law and order. He's the opposite of, you know, mm-hmm. fun and imagination. And then even he sees what law and order to, to an, an extreme. extreme comes in. And he then is like, well, maybe imagination's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, balance is good. Uh, overall, it is a fun book. I enjoyed the book. I like the art in it. I think the art pops. I like the way just like everything everything kind of looks in the book. Um, and one of the reasons I stopped reading the second volume of this, because I kind of finished this and started going into the second one, is the art's different. Yeah. And it took me it took me a little bit out of the book going from one to the other. I think if you had a couple months uh, in between the two, like when the series wrapped up and then the next series started you probably would have been fine, but going from one to the other, I was like, mm, this isn't the same frowny face, and was like, turned my tablet off. Yeah, I think the art um, in this book, I, I like the creature design. I don't like the, and I like the character design. I think they're good looking. It's just the expressions and the storytelling, the emotional the emotion storytelling aspect of it that I don't like. And also the backgrounds aren't anything that no. great. No. Like they, they're very simple backgrounds. If you get scene setting and then the character there on the page and then a very simple background. Yeah. I think the page layouts aren't too bad, but I agree with what you're saying, Paul. And as much as I did enjoy this book, uh, some of the story just kind of falls flat in some parts and is a little like ah flat like the note it like <laughs> well maybe if you turned it sharp you'd get yeah. out of the prison uh, uh but it just has like kind of like ho-hum kind of stuff to it but overall i really do enjoy the book how did you like the punts because this was riddled with great punts uh i enjoyed i <laughs> like puns i enjoyed the puns <laughs> You enjoy puns. You'll enjoy reading this book <laughs> because there were a lot of them, and you guys heard me react to each and every one of them. One of my favorite things um, it's in issue number two or three, uh, where they encounter the sound sprites. Mm-hmm. They're like the little blue fairies, but everything they say is an alliteration. So each word balloon you're reading is like, oh, like I. I I'm going to Lost in Space, but they completed then poop. It's all in the line of that. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's it's a lot of fun because they're sound sprites. They use the magic of sounds to create things and the outcasts that they have, um Phi, Fee, not sure the pronunciation, it's F Y E. 
um, he he can't create things with his sound. Like he actually destroys things. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because he's he's a bad note. He's been it's uh you know he's put in uh is, something isolation, uh, and he's going to face the court at the lowest level, aka the base meant. Which I like, uh, uh, uh pun. Uh, Base, B-A-S-S. And it's like Parliament meant, you know, meant. So. Uh, wow. so there's stuff like that throughout this book. I, I think it's this fun. Is, it's actually my second favorite of what they've done for the Disney Kingdoms. Um, I'm not a fan of the Journey into Imagination attraction in Epcot. It's one of those things that it's basically the uh, Deadpool or Harley Quinn of Disney attractions. People absolutely love it and lose their shit over it. And I just sit there and I'm like, it, it's something to do when it has a five minute wait and you want to get into the air conditioning. <clears throat> I I don't understand the draw that it has, but it's obviously big enough that. Um, they were able to base a comic book off of it. Disney does a crazy amount of money in merchandising with Figment. Um, back in the late 90s, they actually took Figment out of the ride. Really? It, like They did a whole like revamp of it, and when they took Figment out, the merchandising side of the company went to the Imagineers and were like, um, you didn't tell us you were doing this and figment sells like half a million dollars worth of merchandise in this one location alone can can we get him back please um which then led to a couple years later figment coming back uh, the Dreamfinder was originally a character that was in the attraction has since gone away but just based off the success of this book, there's been constant rumors that it's one of the things that Disney is looking into bringing back because not just the nostalgia and people loving that character when they got to see him in the parks before because they actually had him in the ride, but then also as a walk around character with a figment puppet they could see, like talk to and interact with. But like people actually like him in the book too. The Dreamcatcher or Dreamfinder is a character I think I could cosplay as ass. <laughs> I'm just um, saying. He's a little... is, your hair, is your hair red enough? Uh, darn it. Yeah, but your hair is white enough that you can just make it look orange. Yeah, yeah. Hey. I'm just an older version. <laughs> there you go. And he's uh, steampunk. He's steampunk. It's definitely something if you are a Disney fan, if even if you're not a fan of the Figment rides, but you like those kind of old Disney movies... If you never rode the ride before and you read this book and then ride the ride, I'd be more disappointed with the ride. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's kind of what I went into. Um, not necessarily reading the book and then going on the ride, but the very first time I went on Journey into Imagination, it, it had been one of those things that was hyped up into my mind because uh-huh. people love Figment. They love this ride. Like, I can't wait to go on it. And then the first time I went on was with you, Paul. And it was just kind of one of those, like, okay... Yeah, it's a good ride. I like. I didn't mind it because, but the best part of it is that it has like Eric Idle in it. <laughs> I didn't mind it. I thought it was a okay ride. It wasn't anything. It wasn't the best ride, but 
it was a good ride. It was, it, you know, it's something it, fun at Disney. I went on the ride back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I had a Figment stuffed animal. I had a Figment, like... And back in the little fig- 80s, how old were you? Uh, I would. I it, I went there the year I turned um, six. Okay. So, I turned okay. six while I was okay. down there, I believe. So, okay, you know, because Chris and I, we both rode it. Yep. Chris was 30, I was one nine. Wait till I finish my sentence, Paul. Okay. So I went down there when I was... A boy. I was six uh-huh. years old. Thank you. I got the stuffed animal. I got the... I said back in the 80s. Yeah, well, you know, we uh, know how old you are. I had like a, a little, you know, little figurine kind of thing of it. And then I haven't been on it for probably almost 30 years. I went on it with you guys, and this was after I had read half of the series. Mm-hmm. I read one through three and then just kind of fell off and never got around to reading the rest of it. And I went and I went on the Figment thing, but I had like an idea about Figment in my head, and I didn't mind. I didn't mind the new ride, like it was okay. Yeah, this is kind of what I remember when I was six years old. See, I don't mind it. You wish his voice was more orcoey. I, you know, I wish you were doing the voice. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. That's okay. I, I don't mind it. I don't think it's bad by any mm-hmm. any means. Like it's something that. I can kind of see the draw, but just going into it blind with just it being hyped up so much, I was kind of left wanting more. And it wasn't until I actually read this book where I was like, okay, I can see what people like about this character, the Dreamfinder, because he hasn't been in it for as long as I've been going to Disney. He was already gone by the time you and I went down there. Um, I know Figment because he's that little purple dragon that they put on everything at Epcot. And, yeah, he's he's cool, he's cute, like, that makes sense, he's marketable. Uh, but the attraction itself just kind of was like, eh, I'd rather take that time to see more of World Showcase. You know, wait in mm-hmm. line, get something different to eat or drink that I haven't had before. Unless it's a regular like Orlando day where it's 90 degrees with 90% humidity and I just need to get out of the heat and then hey that's cool if you need to cool get out of the heat for a while and you're in Epcot don't you go hang out with Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Nye the science guy you can but that that ride's 45 minutes long yeah, that's, yeah but it's 45 minutes of Bill Nye and Ellen DeGeneres there, there doesn't seem anything wrong with that that's, that's not that bad Wait, there's there's a lot of awesome things to do in Epcot. I think this is one of those things that's worth a look if you're curious or you don't have anything else to do. But I think this comic book is something that's definitely worth checking out if you're looking for something that's kind of fun and adventurous and all-ages friendly. I have to say, this is the one time that I've read a Disney Adventures or Disney Kingdom book where the book is better than the ride. Yeah. The yeah. uh, the final issue of the Haunted Mansion one just came out, and I I read it, and I just I, I could not enjoy that book at all. Uh, Seekers of the Weird was so much stronger. Well, Seekers of the Weird doesn't have a ride, so luckily I don't need to compare it. Yeah, and uh, I I thought the first issue of uh, Rocky Mountain or oh. Thunder Mountain, I mean, Thunder Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, it, so bad. Oh, uh, don't don't make me pick that for the next one. Oh, like it, it's it's a it's a decent western book. It's not great, but 
if we have uh, veto power over that. Paul's bullshit, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna throw that into. <laughs> You've had veto power over my bullshit, haven't you? You vetoed something. Uh, we, we did veto something. I can't yeah, remember we what did. It was, but it happened because my man, you do some bad things to us. You have books that I I we, like. We, I close them <laughs> and I look at like I look at Caitlin. I'll be like, "Fuck Paul, fuck him." <laughs> there, there, what could Paul really recommend that we vetoed that wasn't as bad as, or was worse, I guess, than reading Dark Phoenix Saga? <laughs> Dark Phoenix Saga is one of those series that everybody talks about, though. It, it is. It is one of those ones that everyone talks about. It's, it's like Longbow Hunter. It's on everyone's list, but at the same time, like it's on people's list for just the nostalgia kind of thing. Yeah. Because that book is... I didn't mind it as much as you guys... And I liked Longbow Hunter more than Chris. At least, Johnny, you were a little bit more on my side. But I, I don't mind. I don't mind the old school comic books as much as I, you guys that's do. That's just a me thing. I, I think that's what my biggest hang-up was, was like, there's nothing wrong with the book. But Give me a me thing. It's just so of the time that I mm-hmm. couldn't I couldn't get out of it. it. It had just so many ridiculous moments. It does have ridiculous moments, but Wolverine just tearing up the Hellfire Club... Yeah, I had I had one of the issues of that, and I mm-hmm. I liked that. that issue is good, especially like when Cyclops is like the, he's back in time. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know. Anyways, yeah. Anyways, Figment, Figment, we'll Figment. You on a I, I think I think all three of us give it a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, it's better uh, than the ride. <laughs> so we talked about this a little bit, just in the fact that you started to read it by mistake, Paul, or mm-hmm. you did kind of start reading it uh figment volume two it right. came out two years ago now wow uh, really yeah we're Something old would, <laughs> it came out when i was already in michigan something that you would want to like read or continue reading based off of this or what i'm pretty much good with figment now i, I felt the same way after issue one of figment i'm glad i read the full trade now uh but it's one of those things where I, I think I'm good with Figment, and then once I start reading it, I'm like, oh, this isn't fun. This is, this is fun. This isn't horrible. I can keep reading this. And it's one of those things, but it's not something I will, like, seek out and read on my own. But if you guys are like, oh, yeah, Paul, you know, here, read this, I'll be like, oh, okay. It's not off-putting. It's just not something I'm going to do yeah, on my own. It's something you like, but it's not something you're going to seek. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably read Figment Volume 2 in a couple of weeks or if I forget about it and then think about it just because the art is a little changey and that the, I see... That it's a little bit cartoonier. And they bring in um, they bring in that girl which I'm hesitant about but also interested to see where that little girl in imagination go. Um, is she uh, the new Dreamfinder? I don't know. Mm. I'm putting that For out me, there. The, the selling point of Figment Volume 2 was the fact that it was Figment kind of coming, or Figment and the Dreamfinder coming back to present day because they've been gone for a hundred years, and then just trying to live up to the legacy that they set while they've been gone. Hmm. Sliders. <laughs> well, sliders. sliders is good. Up until the Chrome Magnum. I thought he was talking about hamburgers. He just was like, oh, sliders. Uh, oh. Chris is hungry though. We should Love let him go. Hamburgers. <laughs> Uh, listeners, thank you for so much for being a listener and listening with your ears. 
I'm I got nothing. My mind is shot. I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you enjoy the show, rate and review us over on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. And um, find us over on uh, Facebook, on our website, bagdenboard.com, where Chris puts up those show notes. And, uh, so good. So good. He does, so good. Good. He does a great so job good. with those. So I was good. So good. I'm so glad he's, uh, he's back. And uh, we'll be back. Next week, and I don't know if you notice this. Wait, are we doing the Justice League cartoon we're episode? Do, finally, we're gonna be talking about Justice oh, League. Thank goodness, because we're we'll talking about our, our favorite Justice League and Justice League Unlimited episodes. Ah, oh, there's been so Do, many. Uh, spoilers: they're all Justice League Unlimited. Episodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs>